0: Well, hey, good morning. I'm Mark, executive pastor here, and I got to be honest with you, this is uh, on the Roman road, these different verses that we're walking through in Romans. This is the one, Romans 6.23, that it just means a whole lot to me. Um, I believe wholeheartedly that it's the this sentence is the summation of the Bible, like if you get it, then you get it. If you miss it, then you, then you miss it. It's... Uh, it's this thing that's had such an impact on me. When I got out of the car this morning with my boys, I uh, I made them stop and look at me, eyeball to eye- eyeball, and say, "Hey, guys, if you miss everything else like this morning, please listen. Not because your daddy's talking, because it'd probably be better. They probably listen better to somebody else, honestly. But but because of it's Romans six twenty three, man, this morning you guys you guys got to hear this. I mean, it, it's so much so that when it was. I'm sure I saw it at some point growing up and heard some, somebody preach on it, but uh, when I was 20, I had somebody walk me through it the way that I'm, I'm hoping to walk through it with you this morning, and it so impacted me that, all right, I'm going I'm to tell you this. It, it, for the past 20 years, every password to our accounts is some form of Romans 6.23, <laughs> Now, now what is, what does that say about how how big that is i mean i I wanted to remember it, and I was pretty my memory's pretty bad. I was confident that I would remember those passwords because they 're connected to this romans six twenty three so hopefully you you'll hear me this morning and I want to start out uh, really uh, I say hear me I really really I hope that this is the kind of passage that I could just read it, and I believe that there 's that much power just uh, <laughs> rolling off of these words. But I want to start out with a question, and it kind of goes back to this password deal. Um, what is the password to your most private and valuable account? Not everybody at once. Well, is, that, is that question even a little bit offensive to you? Uh, if I was serious and wanted you to try to give it to me, would that, would that be a little bit offensive? Well, why? Why why, why don't you just give it to me? I mean, let's be honest, man. Passwords are the, man. Anybody else hate passwords? I mean, I I remember Terry and I were talking about it the other day, that when the screens, when your your computer screen was just the green words, you know? And and then passwords came up, and you were trying to block accounts and make them restrictive. And at first, if if you remember, it was like four digits. And I'm the kind of guy that's like, All right. One. Two. Three. Four. Man, nobody's going to get that one. That one's (laughs) tough. And then you had to add letters. And then you had to add capital letters and lowercase letters. Now you got to add capital letters, lowercase letters, a certain number of characters. Then you also have to add characters and. You know, fingerprints and retinal scans. You know, and so you, how are you gonna even remember that? Where it used to be a word, now it's R, J, capital H, O, C, you know, ampersand, you know. And that, I'm not gonna remember that. My computer somehow does, which makes me really suspect. <laughs> but that's even broken because, right, like a month later, it comes back and says, oh, sorry, you gotta change it. So now I've got to come up with some new thing, and then when I try to give it the new thing, it says, "Huh, uh not that one. You used that one last time. you got to come up with a new one. So I give it a new one. It's like, "Nah, uh you used that one the time before the time before the time. you got to come up with one and go back at least five times, or I ain't taking it. I mean, anybody else have passwords? I just, I hate them. Why do we make it so difficult? Why wouldn't you just give me the, the, the access to your accounts? There have been times that we've given access to things to people. Like when we, when we lived overseas, we gave our bank account information and, and access to my parents so that somebody could take care of things on this side. There are certain times, certain people, we did allow access. But for the most part, we, we keep it restrictive. You keep it restrictive. Now, doesn't that make you just a little bit snooty? You know? You know? Little discriminatory, maybe downright mean, that you wouldn't just give access to everybody? I mean, why wouldn't you give it to me? You don't think I'm a good guy? I'm not good enough to go into your accounts? I mean, what do you have to be to get into your accounts? You gotta be something super duper special? You know, Charlie talked last week about uh, Romans three twenty three. All of us have sinned. And falling short of the glory of God. I'm in that number. You're in that number. You know, one of the things that he said, and I, I have been tempted to do and make this exact same statement. And I never murdered anybody. Is that what it takes to get into your account? I've never physically murdered anybody. So you let non-murderers in, but other other people you wouldn't. But then. You know, Jesus actually dealt with that question straight on. Right at the beginning of his ministry, his first sermon, he says to the people, I've got it here for you, uh, Matthew chapter 5. He said, You've heard it, uh, you have heard that our ancestors were told, You must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, If you are even angry with somebody, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell." So what does Jesus do? He makes that whole argument relevant, because He's like, you guys look at each other, and you judge according to your actions. And God is the one that really matters. He's the judge, and He judges according to your heart. So uh, you guys immediately jump to, I haven't physically killed anybody, God is judging your heart, and he does know that you called somebody an idiot on the way to church this morning. He knows your heart. In fact, he comes right back after this, and he says, let's just talk about adultery. Adultery, same thing. It's not the action. It's, it's your heart. Then you start jumping into other things like, like am I a, a liar? Well, I have lied. How many lies do I have to tell before I become a liar? How many things do I have to steal before I become a thief? I mean, y'all, I'm just that far. I'm already a lying, thieving, adulterous murderer. You know what? You're probably right. You shouldn't let me into your account. That'd That'd probably be a bad idea. But the truth is, if we start comparing us one to another, and that's the standard, all have fallen short of the glory of God. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it says, All we, like a bunch of sheep, have all gone astray. We've gone our own way. The Lord has laid upon him, talking about Jesus, the iniquities of us all. All of us. And so the Romans 6.23 that we're going to look at this morning, it deals with now, because of that, what does that mean? What's the penalty for that? What do we get for it? And it says it this way. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. And uh, and the day that this this guy, he really helped me understand this verse, we, we walked through it. It's really the first time I'd ever done good Bible study where I broke down word for word and really got understanding of all the different terms and then tried to put it back together so that it would make clear sense. And so if you look at that, I and mean if you just read it again, like Charlie said last week, it's like, Jesus, Jesus, yeah, good, good, bad, something bad, good, you know, Jesus. But if you start breaking it down and you think about wage, you know, wage isn't a word that we use a, a whole lot. Most of us probably could, could say what it means, especially at tax time, you think more about uh, wages. What's a wage? A wage is a payment you receive for some, some work or thing that you did. So here it's the wage, the, the payment of sin, not the work that you did, but of this, this sin that we're all guilty of. The the payment of that sin and disobedience is death. So instead of a, a paycheck that we're getting, the paycheck is actually this, this thing, death. So we've done the sin. That's what we talked about last week. We're all guilty. The payment that we get is is death. So, how about you? But man, I want to know what death is. What is the thing that we get because of the sin and disobedience to God that we've committed? The lot of us. When you first see death, if you're like me, I'm like, all right. So that means that means a physical death. That means that that I've sinned against God and ultimately I'm I'm gonna die. And there is some truth there. But it, but it's incomplete. You know there. <laughs> Sin, and one of the reasons that the, the list of things that God calls sin are sin, is because they, they have bad consequences on us, on our bodies, on our future. Ultimately, that, those decisions have brought up on the earth this, this physical death that is true. And so it, it, there is a physical death that takes place. But if you looked at the end of the verse, there's this but. The Wages of sin is death, but... So, there's this mirror image on the second half that's the opposite of the first half, half because of that contrast word. And in the second half, it's eternal life. So, there's something different about this, this death. It's not, it's not physical death, it's, it's eternal death. And then you might also be tempted to say the wages of sin is hell because there is this literal. the definition exactly. In John chapter 17, he's with his disciples and he's praying for them. And in his prayer, he just straight out says it. John 17 3. He says, this is eternal life. Here's the definition. That they, talking about his disciples and ultimately us, that they would know you the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He says eternal life is this This relationship of knowing and being in fellowship with God. What he made us for. Where we're in our best place in relationship with him. That's eternal life. So death is not knowing him. Not having that relationship with him. Going our own way and the punishment is he allows it and because of his purity there's no place for us to be with him. So now we have death. The wages of sin is death. So two questions come up to me real quick. Or I have and uh, have always kind of, when I look at Romans 6.23, it just makes me think this. First, are we really that bad? Let me get specific. Are you really that bad? Am, am, I, am I really that bad? That the thing that needs to happen is that God separates himself from us, that that access is restricted. Are, are we really that bad? You know, James 2.10, it says that the person who keeps all of the laws and yet has broken one is, is guilty of breaking all of them. Because we might be tempted to go between one or the other and say, well, you've, you've broken five, but I've only broken three. You know, we might look around the room and begin to compare ourselves one to another. That's, that's when I first was asked this question. That's what I did. Actually, in my mind, I thought, I'm about 60%, you know, there's, in this room, there are about 40% that are better than me. I can probably pick you guys out. But then there's, a, you know, there's another big group that's not better than me. I can probably pick you guys out too. In fact, the first service I called somebody out, that probably wasn't a good plan. Uh, you know, and we start to compare ourselves one to another, but that, what this says is, man, if, if you've, broken, you've, you've broken them all, we already looked at all have sinned, we're all in the same boat. Actually, there's two categories. There's not this scale a percentage, there's either the holiness and perfection and purity of God, or not. That's, that's the two buckets. Which bucket do you fall in this morning? Are you in this bucket, as good as God, or, or are you in the other bucket? That's it. And all of us alike, we fall in this bucket. And, and does that mean that we're that bad, that we deserve the separation from God? Well, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I think I was about 10. I, I had a birthday party over at my house. It was after a football game or something. I, I, my birthday's in October, so I'm, I'm guessing it was probably a football game. Had about 15 boys my age come over to the house to have this this birthday party. Lived out in the country, and we uh, mom had made everything for that day, and it, um, it was going to be an awesome day. We get there, and then behind our house, there were some woods and and everybody's like, hey, let's go play in the woods. That's something I just, I did a lot. So we started walking out, and I'm sure mom said, or dad said, boy, y'all don't get dirty. Because it was kind of a rainy day. The plan was for us to be inside. But I didn't hear, don't get dirty. And we go down, and there's a creek down in the middle of, of this wooded area. And one boy pushes another boy into the creek. I mean, what do boys do? Somebody pushed that boy into the creek. Somebody pushed that boy in the creek. Before you know, all of us were in the creek. And we were having a big time, man. We were throwing mud at each other. We were, oh, it was, it was great. And our good tennis shoes, we were in them. Anyway. So then, it honestly, I was having such a good time that it didn't even dawn on me that this was not going to end well. <laughs> and I hear the, the bell ring. My mom had a big bell at the house, and she would ring it, and I could hear it in the woods. And that, that's when I knew I, I better get on the hop and get back home. So I said, all right, guys, we got to go. And so we started heading back up this hill. And right where it started to crest, and my mom and dad were over there by the bell, I looked around at all of us. And I looked at them, and they're still you know, 200 yards off. And that's when I thought, oh, no. <laughs> we shouldn't have done that. And sure enough, man, we get there. And this is what I remember. A few weeks ago, we had a small group leaders meeting. And somebody had the audacity to bring puppy chow. Uh, if, if, you, if you don't know what puppy chow is, but don't worry, we're not eating dog food at the small group leaders meeting. But, you know, there's this, this dessert that's the Chex mix with powdered sugar and peanut butter and all kinds of good stuff in it. And it's wonderful, and I love it, but it brings back horrible memories of this day. Because my mom had made this big old bowl of puppy chow, and all of us gathered around the bowl of puppy chow, and one by one they called their parents to come and pick them up. And I watched one of my buddies after another go, knowing that when the puppy child was gone and when the last guy left, my punishment was coming. <laughs> and it was bad. But the thing is, they all had to call their parents and go home because we couldn't in- enter the house. The house was clean. And we were dirty. We go in the house, we make the house dirty. The house clean, is clean, we're not dirty. We are restricted access to the house, and if we can't go in the house, now this party is over. Yo, we're bad. I'm bad. Already, a, a, a selfish, jealous, uh, thieving, adulterous murderer, and I, I don't deserve access to the place that's clean. Are we bad enough? Yeah, we're bad enough. We're bad enough. And you might say, well, that person I, I read about in the news this morning, that person's bad, but I'm not bad. But look at James. It says the person who's broken one is guilty of all of it because there's just two categories. Instead of this comparison, if you want to compare yourself with somebody, compare yourself with Jesus. Because that's the other bucket. And so it brings up the other question. It, is God really that good? If I accept that I'm bad, but is he really that good? That he would love me and care about me, but he's so good that there has to be this, this separation between us because of my sin. Is he really that good? Well, if y'all remember, a few months ago, we we looked at Isaiah. And there are several examples, but this this is just one that we, we even recently looked at, where Isaiah is in the presence of God. And when he's in the presence of God, his reaction is, Woe is me. I'm ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Yes, God is is good. And to be in His presence, there has to be this, this purity. And what would happen to each of us if we were to step into the presence of God today, we would immediately have this same reaction. We would fall to our knees. And we would immediately realize how incredible and holy... If you remember this scene, the angels are calling back to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the book. This, this scene is he is perfect and good. And Isaiah realized how far and distant from that he is. Uh, as I was preparing for today, I, I just remembered and I went back and looked at these different psalms where, where David uh, asked this question. He, he asked it one time in, in Psalm 15. He says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? Who gets to be in that place with you? The one whose walk is blameless. Who does does what is righteous. Who speaks the truth from their heart. Whose tongue utters no slander. Who does no wrong to his neighbor. And casts no slur on others. He does it again in, in Psalm 24. A similar question. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not live up, lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Who gets to be in the presence of this holy God? The blameless, the righteous perfect basically David's saying who the one of you that's that raise your hand the wages of sin is death but you know let's just stop for a second if you were to just this sentence if instead of a comma if it was the wages of sin is death exclamation point and that was it. What, what would that mean for us? Think about it. Because you don't get the second half of this sentence unless you can fully understand the first half of this sentence. You don't get what this whole thing's about. You don't get Easter unless you fully embrace and understand the wages of sin is death. But if you get that, then that comma and that next word, that's a contrast word, but, oh my goodness, it just got good, y'all. Because we deserve it. We des- fully deserve the separation from God and everything that that means in every possible way. But. And then there's this beautiful contrast that starts to take place. But the free gift. Free gift is the opposite of a wage. And a, a wage you work for, you do things for, you get the paycheck for the things that you do. A free gift is given when somebody else does something on your behalf and they do it and all you do is receive it completely Free. Because of their goodness, not because of yours, because of their work, not because of yours, because of their power and grace, not because of yours. This wage you earn and you work for and you get what you deserve, but this is very different. So instead of a wage, it's a, it's a free gift, and the free gift of God is of God. God is the one who's done the work. God is the one, the only one that had the power to be able to make this, this thing happen, to take it upon himself. This, this God did it. Wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God. What is the free gift of God? It's eternal life. Instead of, instead of death and separation from Him, it's this relationship and fellowship with Him. Our best place, the desire... Because what, what, what's the other response to this? Incredible. I uh, Oh, several years ago, I think Caleb was about two, I, I was uh, supposed to lead this group of college students on this trip to Taiwan. And uh, we had planned, it was months in the planning, and we'd even taken a vision kind of scouting trip and, and met all the people in Taiwan that we were supposed to go visit and we were getting all ready for it. The flight was a 5 a.m. flight. It was about an hour from the airport, so we were gonna leave like, you know, three or something the next morning. And uh, a week beforehand, I had taken my passport and I had set it out on the counter. Because, you know, uh, you can buy clothes in Taiwan. You can get food in Taiwan. People live in, I mean, you can buy the necessities. But you don't get in the country without a passport, right? So the one crucial element to this whole thing was I needed a passport. So I set my passport out. Well, that night, I'm coming back to load my bag and I go to get my passport and it's not there. So I pick up the papers and I move them around. It's not there. So I'm like, Terry, Terry, have you seen my pa- passport? Oh, ah, it was on the counter. But it's not on the counter now. Where, where, where would it be? I don't know. It's your passport. <laughs> All right, so... We start looking and moving things around, and at this point I'm still hopeful, like oh, I'm gonna find my passport. Wasn't on the counter. Wasn't in the kitchen. We turned everything upside down in the living room and ransacked it. It wasn't in the living room, wasn't in the bedroom, wasn't in the garage, wasn't outside, it wasn't in our house. It was gone. So what happened? You throw it away? No, no, Caleb must have done it. Which is totally possible. I think Caleb might have done it. As years have gone by, there have been a few times that Terry showed in a moment of weakness the possibility that maybe she threw it away. I don't know. Maybe I threw it away. But regardless, the passport was gone. And the one thing I know is I'm not going to get into Taiwan without a passport. Because countries restrict access, right? Like I, I might be able to get through... Uh, the the airline's likely going to stop me, but if they let me on the plane and I step off in Taiwan without a passport, I'm going to go to the immigration guy and he's going to go, you can't come in our country, idiot. Get back on the plane. You have to have a passport. So I felt like, "Ah, man, the biggest fool watching them leave, there's the leader, but he can't come because he doesn't have a passport. The one thing he needed, he doesn't have. See you guys, y'all have fun. So luckily... I walk away with my head down and I find out that we've got a family member who knows somebody, who knows somebody, who knows somebody, who says that he can get me a new passport next day. Now, I I didn't really believe this, but they said if you would go to the passport place in New Orleans, that he could make it happen. So I fly to New Orleans, I go to this place, as soon as they open and the lady opens up the window, I walk up and I'm like, I'm Mark Freeman," and she says, so? I need a passport. Well, you can't get a you want a passport today. Yeah, no, you can get a passport today. And I start to walk and sit down, and she says, "Oh, what did you say your name was?" Mark Palfrey. And she said, "Come here." And laying in front of her were all these like uh, copies, uh, photocopies of my old passport. She said, "Man, I don't know who you know, <laughs> but if if you'll go and come back in about an hour and a half, I'll have you a new passport." And I walked out of that place just dazed and confused. I was looking for a phone because we didn't have a cell phone, and there was a casino next door, and I just kind of walked in. probably looked like everybody walking in there, but I, I walked in and, and walked over and grabbed the phone and called Terry and said, you know, believe this. Sure enough, I went back, and they, they had a new passport for me. I jumped on a plane and almost caught the team and got there. They, they couldn't believe I made it. Without a passport, I wasn't getting into the country. You know, with, uh, without a password, I'm not going to get restricted access to your accounts. And that's right. I'm not going to enter the, the clean house without uh, being clean to enter. I don't get into the country, the promised land. I'm not going to enter that place without, without being clean and right and blameless to enter there. And that's right. Right. The wages of sin is death is right. And it could stop there. But it doesn't. Because this God that we worship this morning is so incredible, y'all. So incredible. I mean, think about that. That he would take the punishment on our behalf, and instead of death, that he would give us life at his own hurt. And I'm just, I'm just convinced that if that if if you come to the place that you get that, then it changes everything. Then Romans 6.23 becomes every one of your passwords. It, it just does. Because it's everything to you. Because without him, you've got death that you justly and rightly deserve. <sighs> you know, that the day that this guy showed it to me, we were, it was over some really bad Chinese food. As in one of those kind of places that when the fortune cookie comes out, it says, that wasn't chicken. you know. <laughs> but after we finished this, whole, you know, this Chinese food meal, uh, and we're walking through this, and I realized that I'd heard these words before, but I never really got my mind around what Jesus had done. And I wanted to respond to that. I basically prayed to God this, this same sentence. God, yeah, I, I realize that I have I've sinned against you and that the thing that I deser- deserve, I don't deserve to be in your presence, I, I deserve to be separated from you and everything that that means, but you are absolutely incredible and you did the thing that I could never do for myself with the authority that I didn't have, with the power, that I, with the holiness that I, I, I never could have on my own, you did that and now it's available to me and I want to receive that gift. And I always think about it like this. You know, Terry and I got married when we were 20, and I was, she seemed to be pretty calm. On our wedding day, I was very, very nervous and just white as a ghost, and my knees were knocking. And the guy, the pastor was telling me to repeat after him, and I was stumbling through my words. And if you watch the video, I'm not not really sure that I said our vows. I think we're married, but I think we had already signed the paper ahead of time. But it wasn't about some certain group of words. If you're engaged out here today, you hear it, please hear that. It's not like there's something magical in these words. What mattered that day, and always, even the verses we looked at earlier today, that always matters to God. It's not the outward. He's looking at the heart. And there's no doubt that day that Terry could look in my eyes and, and tell that I was done, that I loved her. And so this receiving this gift of eternal life means that in your heart you say unto God, I get it. I'm broken and I need repaired and you're the only one that can do the fixing. Come fix me. Come fix me. Please come fix me. And he says that he will. The incredible mercy and grace of God and love of God. Everybody says, well, how could a good God do the wages of sin as death? I got a better question for you. How could a holy God let wickedness and wicked people into his presence. He can't. But a good God that's full of love could do the unthinkable. He could take the punishment of that wickedness on himself and make it possible by his power and strength, in spite of us. That's a good God. So this morning I know and the folks that are here, there are some that that have made that decision, that's who you are. And then there's, there's some folks here today that that's not, that's not your story. You know something about it, and you're interested in Jesus, but, but maybe you've never really gotten your mind around that or never have really taken that gift as your own. I challenge you to do that. Uh, the prayer team is in the back. If you want to talk to somebody, they would love to talk to you. That, that card that Charlie was talking about earlier, there's actually a place there that you can mark, hey, I, I want to make that decision to receive that free gift and, uh, and really make Jesus my Lord. I challenge you to do that when the offering buckets come by. Just just throw it in there, and we'd love to talk to you more about it. All of us for Easter, man. We, if at any time, this is the time we got to think about this thing deeply and realize this is what it's all about. Let me let me pray for us, Father. I'm, I am, uh, I'm, I'm amazed every time that I, that I think about this sentence that you would take a lying, thieving, adulterous murderer that has gone his own way and that you would make the way.